You're listening to episode 20 of LengFM, the podcast about the wonderful world of languages, interpreting and technology. My guest today is Sergio Lorian. I'm from New York, where everyone says Lorian, but actually uh, my parents are Cuban, so it's pronounced Jorian. But I mean, I've grown up in Croton on Hudson, New York, so the pronunciation became Lorian since the day I was born. <laughs> Sergio is the CEO and co-founder of Voiceboxer. Voiceboxer is an online platform for conferences, presentations and webinars that also allows for interpretation and slides in multiple languages. The special focus is on smaller events that would otherwise happen without interpretation or not at all. Keep listening to learn more about Sergio and Voiceboxer. How did you how did you come to Europe then? Well, I came I came to Europe to uh, be with my partner and uh, uh, you know I, I, I took used the opportunity to attend uh, Copenhagen Business School to get my MBA uh, and that set me on this path with Voice Boxer. Yeah, I saw that on your LinkedIn profile actually because uh, it looks like you have a bit of a legal background actually. That's right. I was a lawyer in New York. I, I went to uh, New York University School of Law. Graduated in 1997. I was a, a lawyer at a, a firm for a few years before uh, before I got into language services. Where did the interest in languages came from then? Was that before you came to Europe or afterwards? Oh, that was before. That was well before. I, I had worked for uh, Ubiquitous Reporting uh, when I was in uh, when I was in the U.S. for for many years before I came to Europe. Uh, and the interest, I mean, it's 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 always been a bit of a fascination, isn't it? You know, I, I mm -hmm. uh, my first language was uh, was Spanish, while well, sort of concurrent with learning English, and I uh, learned uh, French in school and started studying uh, German in in university. Uh, so there's always mm -hmm. been you know something there that found it interesting. Now I'm not particularly skilled enough to work uh, in language services myself. But, uh, uh -huh. but but interested enough to work around language services, which uh, which gets me pretty far, I guess. Yeah, I think so. And um, do you like it in Europe? Oh, I love I it. Mean, um, I, I, I mean, I, I really, a general question. I, I think Copenhagen is uh, is is just a fantastic place to be. It's you know I, I I get used to so many things. First of all, a new language to learn, which which uh -huh. is always fun, especially at my age. It keeps the brain fresh, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> and then you get get accustomed to uh, bicycling around town and and uh, the water everywhere. Uh -huh. um, it's you know it's uh, I think for you know there, there's for for someone like me with who's always had a bit of uh, wanderlust uh, and being from the United States, living in Europe where. Uh, whatever cities seemed so exotic in the past now are uh, mm -hmm. you know two hour flight away. That's that's just fantastic. That's true. So your Danish is coming along nicely then. I wouldn't say that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I've actually. I mean, one of the beauties of of Denmark is that they they offer free language uh, education for several years. You know, for for people who are who are. Uh, Uh, living here for foreigners who who are living here, uh, and that's fantastic. Oh, but it, Danish yeah. is a particularly uh, tough language, and uh, it is, yeah, yes. Yeah, so, <laughs> but I, I mean, it, it, very tricky. I think it is pretty tricky, and uh, but I mean, I, I I know enough to to get by so that I can feel like I'm I'm really integrating, and I'm certainly doing my best 
uh, to assimilate. Awesome. I've, I've been to Copenhagen for the very first time last August, I think, and I was so amazed by the city, um, just, you know, the way it looks and then the, the bicycles everywhere. That was really, really impressive. That was that was awesome. And they have these special wrecks next to traffic lights and that kind of thing. And you have to be very careful not to <clears throat> get run over by a bicycle, which is a, a completely new experience, because in Brussels, usually you have to uh, pay attention to the cars, but in Copenhagen, it's the bicycles. Yeah, that's exactly right. And bicycles have the right of way. It's 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 really it's really kind of a funny scene. You know, my, my, my parents came to visit me once and uh, I think they got confused between the bike, what's a bike lane and what's the sidewalk. And uh, uh -huh. my father almost got run down, and, and his comment is, uh, you know, that's a mistake you only make once. You know, from that point on, he he absolutely knew the difference between the sidewalk and the bike lane. Oh yeah, I can imagine. And and is Copenhagen a very techy city? Are there a lot of startups uh, and small companies from in the tech scene? Well, I you know I think so. I, I think it's uh, it's proportionate to its size. It it certainly is. Um, and I think it's also growing. I think the the sort of ecosystem for startups and innovation uh, is really uh, gaining a, an aggressive foothold here. Um, I, I think it's uh, I think it's actually a very it, it's still it's still pretty young that mentality, but I think it's growing uh, mm -hmm. very very quickly. So it's a it's actually I would say uh, well I, I don't have that much of a frame of for comparison, but I would say it is a, a, a thrilling place to be. Uh, to be working in the startup circles. Excellent. Um, and, and is that where you found the rest of the Voiceboxer team, sort of from the local tech scene, or how did you guys to get together? Well, you know, it's, it's, it's really interesting. Uh, my, my business partner, uh, Andrea, uh, he is from Italy, and I met him through the MBA. Uh, and then it, it was actually through the MBA that I, I met uh, Sort of Damn Ventures, a, a co-founder, and they, they were able to get me on the path with uh, the tech development and introduced me to Casper Kronborg, uh, our uh, current CTO. Uh, so, you know, it, it's, it's from there it sort of builds. But we have a, you know, we have, uh, we, we're very local to Copenhagen. However, we're very international in our composition as a team. Um, so you said you, you didn't really want to go into language profession per se, but um, you wanted to work around languages. Um, I'm curious, what, what, what prompted the idea of Voiceboxer before we go into the detail of what it is and how it works and so on? Were you scratching an itch or something or where did the idea come from? You know, that's a, that's a really interesting question. Um, uh, and I'll, I'll, first of all, I'll say it's not that I didn't want to go uh, into language services. I would say more that, uh, you know, I have a deep admiration for, for those of you who are, are skilled enough to be able to Uh, pull off a, a interpretation translation. Um, so <laughs> it's not for lack of desire, but more lack of talent that that keeps me uh, outside of uh, doing it myself. I mean, I can barely I can barely speak English these days. It feels sometimes. Um, <laughs> but uh, as for the inspiration, you know, there there was uh, a bit of uh, something that I had spotted. I, I think when um, when I had worked in New York. Uh, I had noticed that, you know, the bigger the size of the interpretation job, the more likely, you know, if we if we put out a quote, the bigger it was, the more likely it would be to go through. And it's something that, mm -hmm. you know, at first blush did not seem super intuitive. You know, you'd have uh, quotes out there for $30,000 or, or, or upwards of that. And then you'd have quotes out there for $3,000 or $5,000. Uh, and those quotes would invariably be, de be declined. And when you dig a little bit further, 
you know, the conversations with the, the customers and the salespeople, it, it showed a really uh, interesting logic behind it, which is, you know, if you, if you have an event that requires, let's say, you know, tens of thousands of dollars worth of interpretation services and equipment and, 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 and technical support, um, mm. then this is an event that is so huge that the, the budget for language services is, is a drop in the bucket. It is. Uh, conversely, when you have a one and a half hour uh, event for a handful of people, and you still have all of these uh, costs that you can't get rid of, you know, for the the interpreters working in pairs and and the uh, uh, and the equipment and and the the technical assistance and all of that, um, then suddenly for for an event that small, a, a quote of just a, a couple thousand dollars becomes prohibitive. Uh, yeah. So it it really drew my attention to the fact that these smaller events were underserved. Uh, the, you know, these, these very necessary and very valuable language services uh, became cost prohibitive because of everything that goes with it. Uh, and so it's not, you know, it, it, these, these events would end up not seeing the light. Uh, so that, that's sort of what inspired Voice Boxer, thinking, you know, there must be a way to serve uh, smaller events, lower budget events, and of course, by extension, virtual events in a way that makes, uh, that creates a platform that, that allows interpreters to feel supported, mm-hmm. pro- uh, professional, uh, and, uh, and I guess, uh, make it very intuitive while also, uh, being able to provide customers with these language services that they need for these smaller underserved events. And I think that's what you refer to as the during one of our earlier conversations uh, as the iceberg, right? Because the, the tip just being the big conferences that get served anyway, and you're trying to focus on what's underwater, the, the huge volume of those small um, or ad hoc uh, events or, or conferences or whatever. Yeah, that, that's that's exactly right. You know, from from my experience, that's that's exactly what was going on. Was that you know these these events that got these valuable language services were the ones that basically had had the budget to allow it. There were so mm-hmm. many where they would request a quote and then say, "Well, we're just going to have to live without." Uh, and so you know, and that's the what's everything that's below the waterline of of that that iceberg metaphor is you know all of these events that so badly need language services. However, uh, these these customers feel that it's it's cost prohibitive, so they just muddle along, hoping that business yeah. English will be sufficient, and and for attendees, uh, they can do nothing but grin and bear it. Right, and uh, I mean we should probably just say what Voiceboxer is. It's an yeah. online platform, <laughs> uh, which is mainly focused on multilingual webinars. So it's not a catch-all solution for remote interpreting. It's it's really focused on this this kind of webinar um, use case, right? Yeah, for for webinars and web conferences, uh, since you can have multiple presenters, but yeah, that's that's the the idea is to allow for simultaneous uh, interpretation uh, being done for these virtual events. And and I think on your website you have quite a, a long list um, and a varied list of use cases. So it's not just for the traditional webinars that are actually quite popular among translators and interpreters for um, continuous professional development. But it, there, there could be other use cases as well, like a, um, a phone conference or things like that. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think the the use cases that that we're seeing are are, are pretty 
disparate. There's a lot of, of course, education uh, and training, um, but you know we've also we've also discussed uh, uh, debates that allow people to sort of connect, even even small meetings where people can listen in on their own language and then speak in their own language. Since you can uh, pass the microphone back and forth uh, to to other participants wherever they're located, uh, then suddenly you're you know you can you can have uh, a moderated conversation. Uh, so at that point, you know, the, the use cases become pretty much uh, anytime people would want to meet and speak and get past a language barrier. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think you've succeeded in, in creating a, a very um, intuitive and uncluttered um, platform, uh, I think. I mean, we, we've done a, a demo before and, and I saw how it works. And you have, um, let's say, different interfaces for different roles. But I mean, the general structure is that you have... Um, a video feed of the person speaking, then of obviously the, the audio. And um, what's important is you can have slides, which is, I think, very important, not only for webinars, but also for presentations or like business use cases. And the, the multilingual uh, aspect starts already with the slides, because I think the slides can also be translated. And is that something that um, the, the interpreter could also do, for example, if, if you want to serve your client, let's say? Uh, yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, the when you select your uh, your audio channel, uh, when you know since slides can be translated, uh, you will you would see those translated slides in the language you select. Therefore, you get a fully multilingual experience, and this also benefits the interpreters. Now, of course, interpreters like to uh, will will do a lot of research. So, you know, they're 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 trained professionals, uh, and we, we provide the materials as as early as we can, as you know, as is always the case. Um, uh, but what we do when the translated slides are available, we make sure that the slides are shown to the interpreters in the language into which they're interpreting. Uh, that mm -hmm. gives a, an additional support to allow, you know, so that word choice becomes cohesive, uh, you know, that the message basically stays stays completely aligned with what the speaker intends and what the, the interpreter uh, is able to do. Excellent. And then in terms of roles, so I, I see here on the website that you have, um, there's usually a moderator, as, as would be the case in a traditional webinar. Then there's the presenter, um, the, the person that would, let's say, give, give a presentation. Then you have the interface um, for audience members. And then you also have a dedicated interface for interpreters, I think. Yeah. And it's difficult in, in this audio environment, but could you just sort of describe the, the basic features of, of the console. Sure. It, it, it's, it sounds actually a little more complicated than it is. You know, well, what you want to look at for, for participants, whether you, you plan on speaking or not, you have the, the ones that are speaking, the presenters who, who can, uh, can have control over the presentation, and the mm -hmm. audience, just a participant that doesn't have an active role. And then the moderator is just sort of a super presenter. Mm -hmm. They decide... Uh, they, they pass the microphone and control over the slides and the presentation uh, to the to the various speakers, and the speakers can also raise their hands and, and queue up uh, to make that easier. So uh, the 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 features, therefore, are uh, you know you get the the video stream coming from the active speaker, mm -hmm. uh, and this is useful because, of course, for for the participants, it creates a very personal uh, approach to this. Uh, you know. Uh, a virtual meeting and this collaboration for interpreters you also get these visual cues because you get a a, a fantastic image of the speaker you can mm -hmm. uh you can pick up the subtleties of of meaning of of tone it was was the, that last statement meant to be humorous or sarcastic or 
mm-hmm. you know, all, all of these things that that aid in in the in the comprehension uh, is, is something that's passed something that's passed along as an asset to the to the interpreters. Uh, and then, of course, the the audio is uh, is available. You know, when you you select your language, uh, you will. Uh, either listen to the interpreted audio, or if you're, the language that you select is the same as what the speaker is speaking, you will listen directly to the speaker. And of course, in the center is the presentation, as you mentioned, these slides that could be translated. Now, some of the other features that we have, we have a, a, a chat available so that audience members mm-hmm. who do not uh, have an active microphone can still interact with the materials. Uh, and also interpreters, uh, this is something that's, that's very valuable. Uh, we call it our virtual booth. Interpreters can work in this interface in pairs, uh, you know, as, as interpreters do, uh, and they can pass the microphone back and forth. And inside their virtual booth, there is also a private chat. That way, they can support each other with uh, with notes and, and other communications, uh, so they can work remotely together uh, as close uh, as possible in, in such a remote situation as if they were side by side. Yeah, and I think that the, that's a very interesting approach, um, that, that virtual booth. But just uh, before we dig deeper into the interpreting side of things, um, just maybe a look under the hood. Um, you, you don't have to install any plugins or anything for VoiceBoxer to work, because if you have a modern browser, I think it just works out of the box um, using the WebRTC technology, which, which is sort of a, a very, I don't know, not, not necessarily necessarily a very new technology, but, but a technology that is sort of slowly gaining ground in in the browser scene, let's say. Yeah, that's correct. It's a it's a completely browser based solution, uh, and it is uh, WebRTC based. Which uh, you know, it's uh, we see it as you say. It's not necessarily new, but it is something that a lot of people are looking to uh, as the the future of streaming technologies. Yeah, and and I must say, I've I've used several applications that uh, use WebRTC, and it seems very stable and very robust. Because obviously, when when working remotely, there's always a bit of anxiety or nervousness as to will it work? Are there any technical problems? But I think that the fact that you don't have to install a plugin or in any dedicated software that makes that already much easier. I think. Um, so maybe let's go into a, a little bit more detail for, uh, for the interpreting side of things. So you mentioned the, the virtual booth and that it has a, a chat box. And there are a few other interesting features, I think, for the interpreters. Um, so you can adjust the volume. For example, you can chat with your colleague. And you also have a very uh, interesting procedure for handing over the mic when uh, one interpreter's turn is over and the other interpreter is, is about to take over. Can you just quickly describe how it works? Sure. Uh, well, first, uh, before I describe how, how the mic is handed over, uh, the volume controls, I think, are also an interesting one. You know, we, mm-hmm. we engage with a lot of interpreters to find out uh, what they uh, what they want. You know, basically, we, we view it as uh, we have two stakeholders here. We, we want to make sure that we appeal to customers, of course, but we want to make sure that we appeal to, uh, to interpreters. Um, and the volume controls were, uh, were designed to work independently. So you have two controls there. You have the, the volume of the speaker and the volume of your partner. Now, as some interpreters like to listen to the speaker to make sure they get the flow of the message and get and, and become even more expert on the topic. Uh, some prefer to listen to their partner to make sure that they uh, they match uh, word choices uh, and style so that there's a seamless experience for the audience. And some like to listen to both at the same time. These volume controls are completely independent, so uh, each interpreter can set them uh, to the levels and, and to the relative levels that are most comfortable for for them. Yeah. Uh, now, in the virtual booth, uh, as you mentioned, we have a 
a, a three-step process, and it's 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 actually much easier than, than it might sound. But I'll do my best to <laughs> uh, to to describe it here. Uh, what we have is the active interpreter. Uh, we'll we'll click a button that will request a switch of the microphone. This is basically like asking, "Are you ready?" Mm-hmm. Then the the inactive interpreter will uh, see the request, and when they are ready, will uh, accept the uh, the switch request. That basically is them saying, "Yes, I'm ready." Uh, at that point, uh, you you have the inactive interpreter poised and ready to to start when the microphone is is switched, and the mm-hmm. active interpreter knowing that that they are ready to go. So then the active interpreter then can activate the switch uh, at an appropriate moment at the end of a sentence, at the end of a slide, at any moment that creates the uh, creates a seamless switch. And that you know, and then there's there's a notification saying uh, to tell the 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 second interpreter that they are now the active interpreter, and uh, and everything is re- reset for a new switch uh, at the appropriate time. So it's really it's a, you know it's a it's a three step process, but it's basically the active interpreter saying, "Are you ready?" The second interpreter saying, "Yes," and then the the first interpreter saying, "Here you go." I think it's actually a very good implementation. I mean, given the, the the fact that the interpreters are usually not in the same room, so I think it's it's quite straightforward. Um, you also have two other interesting features. You have a a feature that many interpreters like and that exists in traditional uh, booths and consoles, but it usually doesn't work very well. But I could see it working very well in this. Um, online context, which is the slow down button, <laughs> which many consoles have, but usually it's, it's, it's either not connected or it's not set up properly, or the speaker just doesn't, doesn't see it or doesn't care. But I think in this, um, well, in, in a way more intimate, uh, working relationship, I could see it work much better. So you, you can, you can have that, um, request to slow down. And I think for the speaker or for the presenter, it's a, a subtle hint, but still a visible hint um, at the top of the screen, I believe. Well, it's, it's actually at the, at the bottom of the screen, at the bottom of the slide. Uh, and it's, it's really interesting what you bring up because uh, it, that, that slowdown reminder created a, uh, both an opportunity because, as you, as you mentioned, you know, in, in, this, in this virtual space, suddenly you have the, the speaker's attention, which means the slowdown reminder is going to be visible, but also a bit of a design challenge. You, know, mm. it, you have to find that balance that makes it, on the one hand, noticeable, so it has the desired effect. On the other hand, uh, not so distracting that it, that it derails the concentration of the, of the speaker. Right. So, you know, you, you have to find that, that you know, you, it, it has to be subtle, but not so subtle that it goes unnoticed. Uh, and in there, it, it was actually, you know, practically speaking, it was a no-brainer. But design-wise, that actually took a lot of collaboration and a lot of uh, experimentation before we found a balance that, we, that, that seems to work for, for everybody. Yeah, I can imagine it's it's uh, quite a challenge. Um, and to round off the the interpreting features, you, there's a, a mute button, which is uh, quite important, or a cuff button, if you will. And I think you also have um, usually you have a, a technician on hand because uh, what we have in a normal conference situation usually would be that there's a conference technician that can help if there's any technical problems. Um, with, and, and in this case, with Voiceboxer, you have a, a person. Um, available online, and and they monitor the, the event, I suppose, or or they just get a, a message or a pop up when when there's an issue. Uh, it's yes, we it, we call it our live support. Uh, there for uh, all of our live events, there is always someone on to troubleshoot if anything goes on. It is something that is useful because 
uh, you know, it, to have an expert there that has seen what may uh, go wrong uh, and therefore can can uh, troubleshoot. You know, it's just a, a button click away to say, okay, th- I see what you're experiencing, uh, and and this is what you should do. It gives a lot of assurance uh, for for interpreters. You know, you you do you do have that live presence with you. Uh, in addition, we do have a a, a monitoring system that uh, that tracks everything that's going on. So in in some cases, we're able to spot things before uh, any of the you know before. Uh, you would, you know, uh, mm-hmm. we, you could have an experience where suddenly uh, an interpreter's uh, volume has gone dead, and we reach out to them through this same live support and say, "You're not, you're not transmitting right now. You're not broadcasting. Uh, what's going on?" And uh, in one one such case, uh, the the interpreter uh, had just accidentally knocked the uh, knocked their headset <laughs> loose. So it, it was a, a two second fix of, "Oh, sorry. Here, here you go. Now it's now it's back on." Uh, and you know the the vast 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 majority of situations are those where we we will just notice something and and we can uh, you know uh, uh, troubleshoot a, a small issue before it becomes a big one. Yeah, uh, and you even offer the possibility of relay interpretation. Uh, can you say something on how that would work? It, well, that's exactly right. Uh, there's uh, well, there's two things that go along with this. First of all. Uh, if it, you can, we can set up the boots to be monodirectional or bidirectional. So, mm-hmm. if, for example, uh, uh, you and I wanted to speak, and we each wanted to speak in our own language, uh, when I would speak, the booth would go in one direction, and when you would speak, it would go in the other. Uh, uh, assuming yeah. we, we would speak in two different languages there. Um, so that's that's the first thing, and the second thing is also that um, the the system is set up. The system is set up to to intelligently find the shortest route from the speaker's language to the listener's desired output language. And mm. sometimes that revolves uh, around a, a relay through, through a pivot language. So yeah, it's, it's, it's set up to, to, uh, uh, to automatically accomplish that if, if there is no direct route from, uh, from the speaker through one of the virtual booths uh, to the listener. So I would just choose, um, in, instead of the floor or the presenter, I could uh, choose another interpreter as my source? Well, it's, and you know, it, it, it would actually do that for you. It would actually find okay. the, the, the language that, you know, if you are set up, for example, in the uh, English to German booth, and it's a French speaker, you would automatically tune in to the, English, uh, the French to English booth. Uh, to be able to provide your okay. out- output. Now, for, for interpreters with, uh, with multiple languages, uh, you can also that that's how it defaults. But you can uh, the the uh, right now in development is is the ability to uh, override that default, so you can you know, select the floor. All right, I see. Okay, um, I saw on on the interpreter section on your website as well that you offer the possibility for interpreters to to register or to sign up, um, and. Uh, what what's the advantage of being in that pool, or the advantage of being registered with uh, VoiceBoxer? Well, I think one of the one of the best things is to to be kept up to date with what we're doing. Um, you know that that sort of relationship, I think, is actually mutually beneficial. You know, of course, uh, we're we're always looking for uh, interpreters that that are are comfortable with the technology and that are uh, uh, interested in in. Um, you know, being familiar with it, you know, working working on VoiceBoxer, um, but more so than that, you know, a lot of interpreters uh, directly get requests, and some of them can be really challenging. Uh, the more that we keep interpreters uh, uh, abreast of what we can do, uh, the more likely they are to say uh, to to their customers, 
uh, hey, I have a solution that might work for your technical needs in addition to uh, the language services that you need. Mm -hmm. But uh, do you see it as more driven by the interpreter or do you see yourself going into the direction of almost being like an agency that where, where companies come to you and say, well, we have a list of interpreters that, that, that may work um, or that may have the right language combination for what you need? Um, you know, that's a tougher question. I think it, I think it could go uh, multiple ways, but I, I think for what what we, I, I guess the, I, I would, I'll answer this a little more philosophically. What, what we would love to, what we would love to do is to empower interpreters to be able to uh, use a, you know, virtual, uh, th this virtual platform as a complement to their, uh, to their suite of services. Um, you know, we, there, therefore we, we, we would like to be uh, uh, experts at, at the, at, at making the technology better and engaging with interpreters to make sure that we are the, platform of choice, not only for customers who need this service, but for interpreters who, who also need to be a little bit in love with, with what we're doing and how we're doing it for, for it to be, uh, for it to be viable. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, so you would, you would, um, theoretically encourage interpreters to, to sign up and, and, um, just to, to stay up to date with, um, what Voicebox is doing and, uh, where you're heading? Yeah, we would love interpreters to sign up, and and uh, interpreters could also uh, shoot us an email. Uh, if if any interpreter would like to uh, would like to see a demo, uh, you know, we we set those up as well. Uh, I mean, we're we're always as I as I mentioned earlier, uh, we we see interpreters are as as a really essential uh, stakeholder for us. So any feedback that we get from interpreters, uh, you know. Uh, <laughs> You definitely have our ear, so we're 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 always eager for for feedback along those lines. Yeah, that's something I can absolutely um, confirm. Yeah, um, I don't know if, if you're comfortable sharing this. Um, I, I suppose some people will wonder about uh, cost. I mean, is there what the cost involved is for either the interpreter and or the, the company using this or a presenter using this for for giving a webinar? Is that um, sort of uh, tailored or do you have a pricing structure? How does it work? Well, it is tailored, but I, I will say that that we do. Uh, I, I will, uh, it, it's tailored depending on the needs because obviously different uh, different uses can be. Uh, I mean, they can vary so much. Uh, but what sure. I will say is that we can do it uh, we typically do it one of two ways uh, of course there's a full price pay as you go situation where it, you know it's it's like uh, renting equipment um, but what, what we can do also that is that is very novel as against uh, more traditional on-site uh, interpretation is subscription services that vastly reduce costs so if if there is going to be uh, an anticipated uh, large level of use Uh, mm -hmm. subscriptions become much more, uh, much more, uh, uh, economical. And in fact, even, uh, even at, at the level of, as I think we just did the calculation recently, even at, at a level as low as three hours in a month, it become it makes more sense to have a, a subscription. Okay. So I guess that the best way to find out, um, about that would be to just contact you and, and specify what the need is in, in terms of uh, audience and technology and so on. It, it really is. And, and the reason for that is that, right. that it's, uh, it's, it, it's important to have that, that sort of collaborative discussion to understand exactly what the needs are, uh, so that we can, uh, give the best possible pricing under that situation. You know, we have, right. we have customers that, that have been uh, uh, customers, for example, that have been doing a, a pay-as-you-go situation. 
and then at one moment I said, you know, with, with the, the levels that you're using this, uh, you're going to save a lot more money if we, if we, if we look at some of these, uh, subscription options. So it, it really just, uh, you know, it, the, the smartest way to go is to, is to have a conversation to, to talk about it and, and we'll see what we can do. Um, if I want to get started using Voicebox as an interpreter, is there anything in terms of equipment that I need? Um, I suppose I just need a computer and and what else? Well, you know that's a that's a great question. I'm I'm glad you asked that one. Uh, it, the, you, it really doesn't require much of anything, um, but there are a few things that we say are vitally important, and we say this to uh, to interpreters that work with us uh, and also to our customers. Uh, and and I mean you'll understand why as I go through. Uh, the most mm-hmm. important thing is to have a stable internet connection. Uh, we we. Uh, just like uh, other virtual conferencing providers, um, using an Ethernet cable to connect uh, will give you the most stable signal, and that's yeah. that's very essential for both the, the speakers for the, for presenters uh, and for interpreters to make sure that you have a, a smooth experience. Uh, in addition to that, having the right headset is essential, not only for receiving the sound but for transmitting smooth audio. Uh, this is something that we, you know, on behalf of our interpreters, we say to uh, customers. Uh, and we, you know, we make sure that they're connected with a headset uh, to to try to get the the best possible sound uh, for the purposes of interpretation. Now, this is a you know this is a big deal because we want everyone to have the best experience possible. And so, sure. you know, when we when we do trainings, um, we uh, check not only uh, that the the system is functional, that the settings are okay on the computer, but also that the hardware is is the the right hardware to be able to give a a professional high level experience on this virtual setting. So, but other than that, you know, it's it's browser based, uh, and it's uh, so you you work on your uh, on your uh, uh, your laptop or your desktop computer, uh, connect with an Ethernet, and make sure you have a, a good reliable headset, uh, and you're good to go. Excellent. Um, so to finish things off, where, where do you see Voicebox are going? Do you have any plans now um, in, the, in the upcoming uh, months and years, maybe? <laughs> yeah, so many that it, it would take a long time to finish things off here. Uh, but yeah. what I will say is what, what I find uh, interesting about a lot of the conversations that we've had recently is that um, a lot of our customers are looking for uh, a platform that's comparable in uh, – in capability to what they uh, expect from monolingual providers. In that mm-hmm. sense, we we have a very interesting technical technological challenge, which is uh, provide these features that they expect. However, make sure that it's done in a uh, multilingual way. You know, and mm-hmm. this involves a lot of things from from the basics of localizing the interfaces to make sure that they're accessible to uh, things such as multilingual live polling. Uh, and other things that are, uh, uh, you know, a, a multilingual twist to to what is not so uncommon in in the in virtual conferencing uh, circles. And so, for us, what what we're seeing is that uh, suddenly, where you know, our offering will continue to become more mature, so that we become uh, a platform that you can subscribe for. Uh, for when you you have, uh, of course, uh, multilingual use, uh, many many languages. We we have an un, we have a you know a theoretically unlimited number of language channels that you could have simultaneous, uh, and also when when you 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 have a smaller conference or or a very localized one and only needed for monolingual use. Well, then here you have a platform that that will accomplish that as well. 
so that's that's uh, that's really the direction that that we've started going in, and and uh, it seems to be uh, very much informing how we best serve both our customers and our interpreters. Sounds great. But, but thank you so much, Sergio, for being once again uh, available and, and sharing so much about Voiceboxer and, and about your work. That was really interesting. And, and I hope that um, other people find I'm actually quite sure other people will find it interesting, too. Um, and uh, I, I think it's really a, a great project that you have going there. Thank you so much, Alex. It's been a real pleasure. And, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm really grateful that you took the time also to speak to me uh, to attend that, that demo uh, uh, when, we, when we last spoke. Uh, and I, I'll just take this moment to encourage anyone else who's interested in learning more, reach out to us. Uh, we're, we're here to, to, to listen. Uh, we're here to talk. And, and, uh, and uh, we look forward to seeing what we can do together.